So when we go to the book of Isaiah, and the reason I'm bringing this out this morning is there's some passages in here that are yet future at the time. So when you go in and you're reading Isaiah, these things had not occurred at this point, but we're in the book of Isaiah, and he's talking about something that's yet future. The wonderful thing about it is, is as we read it, we know as Isaiah is sharing this with the folks, it's yet future, but we look at it and we know this has already happened. So it's just proof of God's word fulfilling itself, is it not? And so when we come to this, there's a passage in here, and it talks about open the blind eyes. So who can be saved? Well, anybody can be saved. But then what is our role and responsibility in all of that? What do we have to do with that as a Christian? So I think what we see in Isaiah is something that's yet future, but God giving us a challenge and a charge for the future, saying here's what my anticipation, my expectation of you is as an individual who trusts Christ as their Savior. So I want you to look at this with me. And can we all stand and honor the reading of the Word of God this morning if you're capable? I want to begin in Isaiah 42. I'm going to begin in verse 1, and we'll read on through verse 8. The Bible says in verse 1 of Isaiah 42, Behold, my servant whom I, whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth, I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not uh, break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail, nor be discouraged, till he have set judgment in the earth, and the isle shall wait for his law. Thus saith God, the Lord, he that created the heavens and stretched them out, he that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, he that giveth breath unto the people upon it, and spirit to them that walk therein, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and will hold thine hand, and will keep thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Let's pray. The fire of God is to reach them with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, how that's going to be accomplished? Well, we do have the Great Commission. Part of that Great Commission is, is to go ye into all the world. As we go ye into all the world, not everybody in here can go to every corner of the earth, so we do this via missions. We give to missions and missionaries, and they go to these foreign lands, and they plant churches just like we're here having a service this morning. There's churches all over the world that have had services or are having services now with us at this same time. And I think about what God wants to accomplish through Jesus Christ. And he wants to use Calvary Chapel Baptist Church in the process of doing that. He wants to utilize this church to reach people with the gospel. And I believe this is the plan of God. This is not the plan of man. God had a plan to reach the world with the gospel. Man didn't come up with this plan. God did. And God desires for the local church to be involved in that. And, you know, we have functions and we have activities and we have special days, but when we do all of those things, Christ needs to be the center of it all. He needs to be the focal point of everything that we do. And I think about the world and its inhabitants today, and they need to know Christ. If you look across the nation today and you see a lot of the hatred that's going on, you see a lot of the things that are happening on the news and the anger that's there, and uh, you've got this party and that party, and you've got uh, the Russian probe, and you've got GPS, and you've got this, and you've got, you've got all these things going on. And the thing of it is, is what all of those people need more than anything else is they need Christ. 
We need leaders in our nation to have Christ in their lives. We need folks in our churches going out and sharing the gospel with folks. Listen, we need local leaders to trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. Listen, can you imagine if we could win the mayor to the Lord? <laughs> Amen? Can you imagine if we could go out into the community and win business people to the Lord in our community? You imagine what God can do by changing the hearts of people and what it is is that he counts on a lighthouse like Calvary Chapel to make that happen. Where? Right here in this county, right in Glaze County, right in our surrounding area, we have a responsibility to reach our community. And when you think about this, the folks in the world today, uh, they don't know that they need Christ. They never have. They've never known. And when you talk about God's chosen people, the Jews, the reason God chose them, he used them to try to get his word out that all the earth may know who Jesus Christ is. It's not that they're chosen and they're going to heaven just because they're Jewish. That's not true. The only way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. <laughs> but what it is is that he chose that nation and that nation was to promote Jesus Christ and, and they got off track. And you know, a church can get off track sometimes. And what we need to do is stay on track. And to stay on track, Christ has to be the center of all that we do. He has to be the focal point. And when you think about this, there's a world philosophy out there that governs people's lives, folks. There's a world philosophy that governs their lives. And by the way, that world philosophy has a lot of influence on the church. All of us here at some point, or all of us are currently working in the world today. And the world has an influence on people. And so that influence, we have to say, who is greater? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the what? World. And so we have to allow Christ to dominate and not allow the world philosophy to creep in and change us. Now, as we think about this, it's not a new philosophy. It's one that's existed since the fall of man. And you go back to the Garden of Eden and you look at what happened in the Garden of Eden. And at the fall of man, man started to develop his own philosophies. And those have all been carried forward into the day and age in which we live today. And I think it's amazing to sit back and watch the world because philosophy leads them to believe that they have freedom. Philosophy leads men to believe that they have freedom. But listen, the, we don't need a philosophy. We need a Savior. Amen? And what people need is Jesus Christ. A philosophy will not save a man. What will save a man, a woman, or a child is Jesus Christ. When you look to this, it leads them to believe that they have freedom. But there's coming a day, and think about this for just a moment. I don't know about you, that, you know, we sing a song, there's coming a day. There is coming a day when we will stand before Christ. Amen? When I stand before Jesus Christ, it's not going to be about what Anita has done not done, and it's not going to be about what I've done or what I've not done. It's going to be about what he's done for me and the crowns that I may lay at his feet. Amen? And what I share with you is, is that there's no name before that. There's no Dr. Warnick. There's no uh, uh, name that goes before. There's no President Obama. There is no President Trump. It will be Donald standing before God. Amen? It will be Robert Warnick standing before God, giving an account for this so great a salvation he has given unto me, or they will stand in condemnation, not having known Christ. And so when you think about all of this, there's this philosophy that permeates, but there's a day when everything's going to be reconciled unto God. Amen? Amen. And all that is His will be reconciled. Now, here's what I want you to think about. I read these passages, and it says, in this passage in verse 6, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and will hold thine hand, and will keep thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, and here it is, to open the blind eyes and to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. 
And the next thing he says, I am the what? He's capable of doing this. With man, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. When I look at this passage and I read this, to open the blind eyes, here's what I want to challenge you with. If today you are a saved person, God has indwelt your body with the Holy Spirit of God. And in the New Testament, it tells us clearly that the responsibility of the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, His job is to glorify Christ. I challenge you with this. If in fact that is what the Holy Ghost is doing or should be doing, and the Holy Ghost indwells me, then what should I be doing by the Holy Spirit of God? Witnessing for Christ. When you think about this, we see this, this at the time was yet future. This hadn't happened yet. This was yet future. And yet we know, according to the New Testament, as you go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see the life of Christ. We see his birth, his death, his burial, his resurrection. We see all those things that he did. We see his ascension into heaven in the book of Acts. And we find out, what does he say to us as he ascends into heaven? Go. Go and tell other people about me now. It's not hard and it's not complicated. But it's a desire that we should have as a saved individual. So how can you make an impact and help open the blind eyes to those who need Christ? How do you do that? How, how me as an individual, Pastor, how do I do that? Well, one, you have a testimony. If you're saved, you have a testimony. You know how Christ saved you. Number two, you have the Word of God. Number three, the Holy Spirit indwells you and gives you the power that you need to accomplish that work. God has equipped us with everything we need. Now what it is, he said, go ye. And so now the only responsibility we really have is to go and to go tell others. Now, we know the answer is faith in Christ, and I believe this with all my heart. You ought to pray to win people to Christ. You ought to pray to God. I say pray that you win someone to Christ. Sometimes we pray that someone will get one to Christ, but maybe God wants to use you. Maybe you're the one that's going to have an impact on that life. Maybe God wants you to witness to that individual and not necessarily one of the deacons or the pastor or uh, you know, someone that you know is just a strong soul winner. Maybe God wants to use your life and your testimony and they've been watching you and you're the one that's going to make the difference of them understanding the truth of the gospel. When I think about this, have a strong prayer life, pray for people, and then be committed. And when I talk about being committed, I'm talking about be committed to planting and watering. I can't save a soul, but I sure can plant and water, can I? I can, I can plant that seed in someone's mind, and I can water that seed as often as I speak to them. And what we can do is what we do do, and God giveth the increase. A man does not grow a church. If the man grows the church, God didn't. And so God is the one that is responsible for growing a congregation. God is the one that is responsible for growing a people. A man can't do that. God has to do that. And so what we have to have is unity of the faith and a willingness to go and do what God called us to do. Now, when you think about this, there are those who sit in darkness in the prison house of sin, and the Lord wants to use the members of Calvary to turn them from the darkness to the light. So last week I asked you who can be saved. Anybody can be saved. Anybody can be saved. Listen to me. How many people can be saved? Anybody. And God said that all should come to repentance. Amen. 
His desire is that all should come to repentance, that all should be saved. That's what God's desire is. What is the mechanism now that God wants to use to accomplish his work? You and me. Us is how he's accomplishing it. You imagine that a God sitting in heaven wants to use you to get his will done. Amazing story. Now, there is a world that needs a Savior, and we know that, and he wants to turn those blind eyes to Christ. And one of the things that people have to understand is this. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. How many of you understand that? Therefore, he was the law, and he fulfilled the law. There are people who believe if they keep the law, they're going to go to heaven. Don't let them live in that fallacy. Don't let them live in that world that they think that there's something that they can do to earn their way to heaven. For the law could not save anyone. Amen? It was only to show man that we're sinful. And by the way, the law still exists in essence because it shows a man his sinful ways. Amen? Is it still wrong to commit adultery? Is it still wrong to lie? Is it still wrong to worship is it still wrong to do those things? So the law is there to show a man his sin, does it not? But Jesus Christ came and fulfilled that law. And what we have to help people understand is the law cannot save them. What they have to do is they have to trust Christ who fulfilled the law for us. Amen? Amen. So when we look at this, Jesus Christ the law is what turns the blind eyes. Jesus Christ the light. Amen? <laughs> He's the light of the world. Doesn't the Bible not teach us that? You know, we're talking about Christmas and that babe in a manger, and Michael even mentioned about the gifts and those kinds of things. Wonderful things. But listen, let's not lose sight of the light of the world. The light of the world is Jesus, amen? And when we look to the light of the world, that is what is going to illuminate the blind eyes. That's what's going to turn that person from darkness to light. It is Christ Jesus. And it's not how much knowledge I have about the Bible it's how much that we turn that over to God and ask God to save that soul. It's his desire that all should come to repentance. And so I'm sharing with you, commit yourself to a prayer time and say, Lord, would you let your light shine up in this person's life so that they might be turned from that blind eye to the light. Lastly, this, and I love this because Jesus Christ in my life and in the life of those that are saved ought to be our Lord. Amen? Amen? Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. We know that according to Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. And when we confess him, we're saying that he's no longer just a name that I recognize, but he is now the Lord of my life. That Jesus Christ is my Lord. Now, as I challenge you with this, there are people that allow a lot of things to lord over their lives. Credit card companies. <laughs> Amen? Debt. Uh, there are things that just lord over people's lives. Uh, the government wants to lord over our lives. You look at things and you see things and they just want to lord over us. And the fact is, is the Lord that should be in our life is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. We should not uh, give ourselves to graven images. We should not let anything have preeminence above Christ. Christ should be the preeminent one. That means he's above all things in our lives. And as we look at this, he is Lord. He can help us to open the blind eyes. When you look at verses 1 through 4... It says here, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, and whom my soul delighteth, I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail, nor 
be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth and the isle shall wait for his law. I want to tell you, when Jesus Christ came, I want to tell you something. He set judgment in the earth. <laughs> when he came, he said it. And he said this, if you believe in me, believe also in God, right? If you will look at me, you, if you have seen me, you have seen my what? Father. I want you to understand Christ is the law. Christ is the one who came and he fulfilled the law that he had penned. Are you with me? The very thing that he had written, the very thing that he knew mankind could not fulfill, he did it for us. The verses in this reference to Christ here is confirmed in Matthew. It says, but when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence and a great multitude followed him. And he healed them all and charged them that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall not, he not break and a smoking flax shall he not quench till he send forth judgment into victory, unto victory and his name shall the Gentiles trust. You know, I am not a Jew I'm a Gentile. Amen. I thank God this happened. <laughs> he didn't only tell us it was going to happen. We look at Matthew and guess what happened? Amen. The very thing he said in Isaiah was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 12. We see God fulfilling his word. Now I want to challenge you with this. <laughs> the Bible teaches us he's coming again. Amen. And if he can fulfill his word from here to Matthew, is he going to fulfill his word in the end times? Is he coming again? <laughs> we ought to be prepared. We ought to be prepared. Jesus Christ is the law because he fulfilled every point. And listen, he would die for the multitude, showing compassion even on the Gentiles. And it's clear Jesus will be gentle. And I look at this and I think about when, he went to, when Nicodemus came to him in the night. I didn't see Jesus putting Nicodemus in a headlock saying, Bless God until you ain't getting out of here, until you understand I'm Jesus Christ. I didn't see him grab Zacchaeus and say, and put him pin and say, Zacchaeus, you will get saved. I didn't see him with the woman at the well do that, and I didn't see him do that with the madman of Gadarenes, but what I did see was a Christ who was gentle. Amen. And he told him who he was. And he said, if you believe in me, believe also in God, right? And so here's the idea. If you believe in God, believe in me. The idea is, is that Christ is the Lord, amen? amen. And what you have to understand to turn the blind eye from serving a dead law to a living Christ, you have to show them Christ fulfilled the law. You have to tell them he took care of that for you. There's nothing you can do. When I look at this, Jesus very well could have just cast us off, could he not? He could have just cast every one of us off. He could have just cast us off and said no. But do you know what this says? As a bruised reed, look at what he says. As a bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He's not here to cast us off. He's here to bring forth judgment to show us what we need. And he's going to do it in such a gentle way because he's a gentleman. And he comes and he does these things to help us see our sin, and he reveals that to us. But listen, for a person to turn from their sin unto Christ, they have to trust Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus was faithful to fulfill the law. His word will reach the remote places of the world, and the world is a prisoner in darkness. How many of you uh, think just probably maybe the last, I don't know, 17 years that the world has changed? How many of you would agree with that this morning? Has the world changed? 
I, I remember being in Leesburg and, and, and with my pastor, and I remember uh, the openness of people when you'd knock on doors and, and try to talk to them about Jesus Christ. And, and the thing of it is, they even invite you into their house. And, and today, it's tense, very tense. And, and when you, I'm not saying not do it. We need to keep doing it, amen, because that's what God called us to do. But you go knock on a door today, and you're lucky if they'll even open the door. I've had them even stand on the other side of the door and say, who is it? <laughs> they don't want to open the door. They don't want to talk to you. And they say, well, that's why we don't do that stuff, Pastor. No, that's why we should do it, amen. Maybe more doors would start opening <laughs> the more we do it. Now, I want to challenge you with this this morning. The world is a prisoner in darkness, and the world philosophy has many people, but the prayer that we should have is a prayer of compassion. Let's have compassion on other people. When you look around, folks are a mess, man. There's things wrong in the world, and people need Christ, and we wonder, how is this going to be fixed, or how is that going to be fixed, or how are we going to do this, or how are we going to do that? We can't, but we can promote Jesus Christ who can. And you say, is it that simple, Pastor? Yeah, I'm saying take tracks with you. When you have lunch, tell the person that's, order, that, that's taking your order, ask them if they have anything you can pray for them about. Leave them a track. Share the gospel with people. Give it to your neighbors. Give it to the person that you stand next to in the grocery store. Hand them out. Leave them at the service station. Put them in bathrooms. Leave them on the table. I don't know what all to do, but I know there's a lot to do that we could witness for others. The prisoners in darkness, a world philosophy has them. And then we need to pray for compassion to reach out to the imprisoned world. And how do you reach out to them? The only thing that's going to save them is the gospel. I can't save anybody. Jesus Christ can. Now, as God's servant, Jesus did what Israel could never do, and he perfectly carried it out. Israel couldn't fulfill the law, could they? They could not perfectly fulfill the law, but Jesus did. And Jesus sinned not. And so without sin, he did this and fulfilled his own law so that we could have a way to be reconciled back to God. That's what Christ did for us. And Jesus Christ is the law and he fulfilled the law and he showed compassion to the multitudes and even the Gentiles who would trust in him as they know that there's only one way to heaven and you have to take that message to them. There's only one way in. There's not multiple ways in. How many of you have witnessed... And you've had someone tell you, well, there's many ways to heaven. Have you ever done that? And people tell you there's many ways to heaven. And I always have thoughts in my head. So this is where you've got to stop and be kind. Amen? Because we have a lot of stuff go through our minds, do we not? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no other way to get to heaven. You cannot do enough good things to get into heaven. Heaven is not about your religious rituals. Heaven is about what Christ did for you on the cross at Calvary. By the way, my Christ is not still on a cross, amen? My Christ is risen again. And there are a lot of people that look and they see a Christ still hanging on a cross. Christ is not hanging on the cross anymore. Now, we may look to it to remember what he did on the cross at Calvary for us, but he's not hanging there anymore. And we need to be careful. He fulfilled all for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what brings a man back into fellowship with God? Turn to Romans chapter 8 with me. Romans chapter 8. Everybody with me? Look at verse 3. For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. 
that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled where? In us. How is that fulfilled in us? Only through Christ. Because he came and he fulfilled it, did he not? Isn't that what the passage teaches us? He fulfilled the law. Therefore, in him fulfilling the law, when you trust Christ as Savior, that righteousness is now in us, is it not? It's what he did for us because we can't fulfill the law, but we can trust Christ who has. Now consider how God wants you to open the blind eyes and impact a world of prisoners blinded by a world philosophy. So many people think that there is something they can do. How many of you have witnessed to someone and uh, you ask them, if you were to die today, do you know for sure if you'd go to heaven? And they say, well, I think so. How many of you have heard this? I'm not being unkind. I'm just being truthful. I, well, I think so. And, and so they think they'll go to heaven. I said, uh, and I usually follow up like this. I'll say, well, if you think so, um, what is it that would allow you into heaven? Well, you know, I've never killed anybody. Where are they going? To the what? And then I ask him this question. Let me ask you this. Have you ever lied? And he tells us if we break the law in what? One point, we've broken it in what? All. If you break it in one point. I just simply ask the question, have you ever lied? Well, everybody, where do they go now? We're all included in this now. Yep, you're right, we are. <laughs> We're all included. But what you're challenging them to think about is, is have you broken the law somewhere along the line? If you have, heaven is in trouble. Reconciled on what makes that happen for you? Well, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen? What he did on the cross at Calvary. I'm not trusting myself to get to heaven. I'm going to trust him. Listen, don't be afraid to witness and to challenge the person with truth. I'm not saying with anger, nastiness, unkindness, or you think you're just being bold. I'm saying challenge them with truth. When you challenge people with the word of God, he said, sanctify them through my word, thy word. Thy word is it's truth. It's not just true, folks. It is the truth. It is the truth. There isn't anything better than the word of God. Amen? It is infallible. It, there is not a problem. There is no inaccuracies in God's word. It is the truth. How do you get to heaven? Jesus Christ. They cannot fulfill the law. They must trust Christ. How do you open the blind eyes? To show people they can't fulfill the law. So letting others know that Jesus died for them personally, he fulfilled the law. That's our role as a Christian. What is our role in this? Who can be saved? Well, anybody can be saved. So what's our role in this? To tell them. To tell them this. And they cannot be saved by fulfilling the law or some ritual or some religion. Jesus died to save them from a world of sin. And now you know the answer is? It's faith in Christ for us. We have to trust Christ to be able to go witness to people. We have to be willing to pray for folks. Pray, Lord, would you use me to help me win this person to Christ? And, and then when God presents the opportunity for you, be prepared, be ready. Ask God to give you the wisdom and the knowledge and the ability to stand there and share the truth of the gospel. Listen, if they are to die today, where are they going? 
And listen, is it your family member or friend or someone you really care about? Uh, maybe a neighbor or a coworker, somebody that you really uh, look at. And, and listen, we think we're going to be here forever. And I want you to understand, this life is not forever. This is an eternity. Eternity is either in heaven or it's in hell. And listen, where are your family and your friends and your neighbors and people you live by, people you work with, people you pass by every day? What is their destiny? You say, that's not my problem. God said it is. <laughs> as a saved person. It is my problem. It is my role. It is my responsibility to share the gospel with them. Let your faith cause you to have a stronger prayer life for people and then be committed to planting and watering. I can't save them, but I can witness to them. Amen? I can share with them the truth of the word of God. And that's what I want to challenge you with. Listen, they can't fulfill the law to get there. Don't be afraid to tell them they cannot. And don't be afraid to challenge them with truth whenever that time comes. Because the very words that we see here, God fulfilled them in the book of Matthew. And he's telling us now we have a responsibility to go and tell the lost world. To The saved are to be uh, a signal of light for Christ. And, and when I think about that, I, I look at this in verses 5 through 7. He said, thus saith God the Lord. Now notice what God's done. He that created the heavens and stretched them out, he that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, he that giveth breath unto the people upon it, and the spirit to them that walk therein, I the Lord have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine right hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. You know, God the Father, Jesus Christ the Savior, and the Holy Ghost is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And I, just for time's sake, I won't go there now, but please write this down. Go, and I want to challenge you to read Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. What, what some wonderful passages are in there. And specifically, I want you to read verses 15 through 18. And, and when you look, God created the heavens and the earth. He created all things. He created everything. And, and so when we see him, God then tells us in that passage in verse 18 that he ought to have preeminence. And Jesus Christ, folks, is the light in the darkness of this world. As a Christian, let me challenge you to be more uh, about Jesus Christ. Talk about him a little bit more. Don't be ashamed of your Savior. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe it. To the Jew first and also to the Gentile. He tells us in Romans 1.16. Don't be afraid to witness. Don't be afraid to tell someone else. Do you know what it is? Is we feel uncomfortable. Am I right? Are you uncomfortable at times trying to share gospel with someone else? You feel like, I don't want to challenge them in all, all this. I, I don't want to talk to them about their eternity. And we all go through that. Listen, I have red blood flowing through my veins. I know what that feels like. But it doesn't negate the fact that God said, go ye. Go and do this. He still challenges us regardless of that. By the way, Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to turn over to Acts with me. Turn to Acts chapter 4. I want you to see some specific verses. Now, he tells us this in verse 12 uh, of chapter 4 of Acts. So when you go over to Acts, turn to chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, look at verse 12. Everybody with? Verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be what, folks? Saved. Saved. Now watch this. I want you to see this word because it keeps showing up. It keeps showing up. I want you to see this. Look at verse 13. Now when they saw the what in Peter? 
I want you to underline that in your Bible. When they saw the what in Peter? Boldness. Listen, of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with whom? Wow. (laughs) Their boldness was an indication. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of boldness where we're nasty, unkind. That's not the boldness that he's talking about here. They took an understanding with the knowledge that they had, with what they were doing. They marveled at what they were telling them because they had this boldness to be able to tell them about what Jesus Christ had done. Verse 12 tells us so, right? There's none other way to get to heaven but through Jesus Christ. Now, when you think about that, I want you to look at verse 29. Look at verse 29 in chapter 4. And now, Lord, behold, their threatenings and grant unto thy servants with all what? That we may what? Do what? What are they asking for boldness for? Not that they might get out from underneath of this, but that they might speak the word of God with what, folks? Boldness. How many times have you been trying to witness to somebody? It's uncomfortable for you. Anybody been there? I've been there, man. I know what that feels like. I'm trying to share the gospel. It gets uncomfortable. And I read this passage, and he says, and he says in this passage, grant us, Lord. He's saying, listen, there's threatenings, there's this thing going on, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. The request was, Lord, help us to speak about you in the midst of this. Uh, look at verse uh, 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they had assembled together, and they were all filled with what, folks? Holy Ghost. And they spake the... Word of God, how? What were they filled with, though? Filled with anger, nastiness, unkindness, hatred, spite? No. (laughs) They were filled with the holy what? Ghost. And then they spake the word of God with boldness. Listen, when you go out and you go knock on someone's door, pray. Ask God to help you that you might be a light at that moment in time, that you can speak with all boldness. Boldness doesn't mean anger. It doesn't mean being nasty to somebody. It simply means that I'm going to stand ground for Jesus Christ. I'm going to continue to tell them truth. Truth doesn't have to be unkind. It just needs to be the truth. Amen? I want to ask you something. When Jesus was with the woman at the well, I don't see him yelling at her saying, You stupid woman, you've been married seven times. What's wrong with you? That's not what he did. When she said, I have not a husband, he goes, You're right. You've had how many? Seven. He wasn't unkind to her, but he told her the truth, didn't he? What I'm sharing with you is boldness is not unkindness. Boldness is not being nasty. Boldness is, I'm going to share truth with them. Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. That's what you sanctify people with, not with anger, but with truth. As I share this with you, Do not allow your faith in Christ to grow soft in a world that's grown very hard. And it has, folks. There's a steadfastness in darkness right now, and it's all around us. When you look at numbers in churches across America today, they're dwindling. And the thing of it is, is that what I'm challenging us to do is this. We can be the light of the world. It doesn't have to stop. (laughs) Hide it under a bushel? Oh, no, let's just go out and share the gospel with people. Well, who's going to get saved? We can't see this happening. We can't see that. I know. By faith, we do things, amen? Not by sight, but by faith, we do this. We invite people. We ask people to come. We, we tell them about Jesus Christ. I don't know whom I'm going to speak to next that's going to trust Christ, but if I never ask them, I'll never know, will I? 
But I should be asking people, if you were to die today, do you know for sure if you'd go to heaven? Christians cannot be silent, and I think that's what's happened to us. We can be gentle with the lost. I don't think we have to be unkind with the lost, but we don't have to be silent. And that's what's happening to the church today. And by the way, they're trying to silence us even further. If you haven't watched about the Johnson Act, how many of you know what I'm talking about? They want to take away uh, 501c3 status now uh, of people who speak of uh, uh, candidates from the pulpit. And the Johnson Act is what's given us the freedom and the liberty to do that. And they're trying to attach this to the tax bill, by the way. So it's uncomfortable for me because I want to see us get a tax break, amen? I want to see them repeal uh, and, and replace that Obamacare. I want to see them do all of those things. But I'm here to tell you this. I don't want to have a stopped voice from the pulpit when I know that there are leaders, elected leaders, that are following in a direction that they ought not be going, amen? And that we have to not say anything from the pulpit because it's clear to me that there are Christian principles we ought to vote by, amen? amen? And if we vote by those Christian principles, listen, we cannot go wrong. And what I'm sharing with you is, is they want to silence the voice of the local church, and they say, if you say anything, we're going to take your 501c3 status. Now, let me tell you something. I want to see the tax bill go through, but I do not want to see them repeal that Johnson Act, amen? You ought to pray about that. Because the fact is, is that they'll give us something good and take something good away from us. <laughs> And so you got to remember that we need to pray for God's will, not just necessarily for our pockets all the time. Amen? We need to pray for the will of God to be done. And as I share that with you, I want you to be challenged in your hearts. We can be gentle with the lost, but we must not be silent with the lost, showing the world that the light of the world is Jesus. John 8, 12, you can write this down. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. This then leads to our responsibility, according to the scriptures. I want to show you a responsibility that we have now. Turn, if you will, to Philippians chapter 2 in your Bibles. Philippians chapter 2 in your Bibles. Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> Look at verse 15. Everybody with? All right, it says that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as what, folks? Lights in the world. Now watch this. Not with a sword, not with a stick, not with uh, my angry words, but he said, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. God says that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in, a, in the midst of a, a crooked and perverse nation. Folks, we live in a crooked and perverse nation. We do. It's all around us. And, and, and listen, uh, the, the pornographic industry is everywhere today. And it's all over the place. It's a perverse and crooked nation in which we live. And when, when, when the government can take $17 million and set it aside of your tax dollars so that they can cover up things that they have done against the people and, and they've committed these acts and your tax dollars are going to it, there is a crooked and perverse nation in which we live, amen? They're taking your tax dollars and doing those things with it. Seventeen million. How many of you like to have $17 million in your bank account, amen? Huh? I would not be spending it on uh, sexual harassment cases. I'd be taking care of some other things, amen? amen? And the thing of it is, is they're taking your tax dollars to do those things. We live in a crooked and perverse nation. We live in a nation where they are okay with abortions. 
And listen, folks, we can't be okay with that. And you can say, well, Pastor, I disagree with you. It's okay if you disagree with me. But listen, God's word stands on that, amen? That God giveth life, not man. And so I'm sharing with you, God sees a crooked and perverse nation. And so what do we do? We have same-sex marriages. They're pushing this on us. Listen, we live in a crooked and perverse nation, folks. We live in a nation that says it's okay for two men to get married. It's okay for two women to get married. And listen, the Bible says that is not true. And when we see those things, you have to understand Jesus Christ is the light of the world. For us to just say, yes, listen, I understand. No, we don't understand. What I know the truth to be is this. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying, let's just stand on the truth. Amen? Amen. Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is what, folks? Truth. If it's truth, then what's wrong with us sharing the truth of God's word with people? Nothing. They want to silence that. They don't want us talking that way. You say, well, pastor, what if, what if I've had an abortion? What if I've already done that? I want you to know we have a very loving and forgiving God. And he clearly tells us in the scriptures, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The sin of abortion is no different than the sin of pornography or the sin of gossip. <laughs> It's all sin, but thank God we have a loving God, amen? Thank God we have a God that forgives us. And I'm challenging you this morning to look to the Word of God, and he says, we live in a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. It's not by how I feel about something. It's holding forth the word of what, folks? life. It's his word that we have to put out there. It's what he says. And listen, how many of you are challenged in your hearts? How many of you are challenged from day to day? You read the word of God and you realize your life isn't matching up to what that says. Have you been there? Have you been in a place where you say, you know what, I need to change. I need to make a, a direction change. I need to do something about this. Or maybe there's something that you read and you say, you know what, I should be doing that, but I'm not. And if it's going to challenge us, how can it release the blind eyes? The prisoners that are in darkness. Turn to Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26, verse 17. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is where? In me. I want to challenge you that as a Christian, we have to show them the light of the light of the world is Jesus Christ. And he is the word, by the way, folks. When we're sharing the word, we're sharing Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the word. The Word and the Father, they are one. Just as Christ and, and Jesus Christ is the Word, and the Bible's clear on that. And so when you're sharing the Word, you're sharing Christ with people. Ask the Lord to help you stay strong in your testimony for Christ. Listen, Minster, Ogley, Shelby, Mercer, all around us, people need the Lord, folks. Religion isn't going to save them. Christ will. And I, I'm just sharing with you, there's so many people that are just steeped in religion or they're out there seeking something other than Jesus Christ. 
And, and the only way to heaven and the only way to help people is through the Word of God. It's through Christ. We're so busy looking for another answer. Isaiah tells us the purpose of our Savior. And in the New Testament, Paul was given the charge to reach the lost and wants to place a challenge in our heart of go reach him. Go place that challenge in their own heart. Say, you know what, I just need to talk to people about the Lord. It's not hard, it's a choice. You're saved, you ought to choose to share the gospel with other people. You can make an impact on this world of prisoners by sharing the light of Christ. Jesus turned darkness to light and now he is Lord of all. You know, the Bible teaches us something. He says in verse 8, I am the Lord, that is my name. You ought to underline that in your Bible. I am the Lord, that is my name. He says, and my glory will I not give to another. He's not going to give it away, folks. And then he says, neither my praise to graven images. Do you know the Bible teaches us that our God is a jealous God? You say, jealousy's wrong. That's wrong. No, it's okay for our God to be jealous. Amen? When I read the scriptures, uh, we see that God is a jealous God, and, and many people on the earth are worshiping graven images. They're worshiping things other than God. People worship programs and TVs and shows and clothes and cars and houses and money and, I mean, just anything. I mean, anything they worship. Uh, and, and there's all this going on that this is far more important than Christ is, and I, I, I worship this over that. And you don't even realize you do it at times. And we don't even realize we've given ourselves over to those things. But I want to tell you in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 5, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Now, if you don't believe me that God's jealous, the Bible says he is. He then tells us in Exodus 34, 14, he says, For thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. How many people are worshiping other gods today? I mean, it's going on all around the world, and that's why we give to missions. That's why we do the things we do with missions, so people will go out and share the gospel. There's so many people worshiping so many things that they forget to worship God. And he tells us in Deuteronomy 4.24, he said, For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. And then he tells us in 6.15, For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you. And so he's among us, but he wants you to know he doesn't want us giving his glory to anybody else. He doesn't want us robbing him of his glory. He doesn't want his praise given to someone else. He wants it given unto him. And he says, I am the Lord. That is my name. You ought to underline that in your Bible and never forget who you're talking to when you're praying. He is the Lord. When I look to this, you must see that religion is not salvation, but the purpose of a strong Bible-believing, independent, fundamental Baptist church is to promote the Christ, the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're here for. We're here that we might go out and share the gospel with other people. Not that we might be entertained while we're here and not that we might entertain others. And you may be entertained by me at times, especially when I stumble. But the fact is, is that it's not why we're here. Wasn't that a beautiful song Dave sung this morning? Wasn't that beautiful? Wasn't that joy this morning? Didn't that bring joy to you? You say, man, that was good. And so that's wonderful. And listen, I'm grateful God gifted David that way. And what we, what we don't want to do is we don't want to come here to be entertained. I like the words to that song. I like what was being said, amen? I like what he sung, and I'm grateful that he sang it the way that he did, and God gifted him in a way that he could do such a thing. But now I want you to understand, what was more important? The lifting up of the Savior at the moment. 
God is a jealous God, and to promote self or pulpiteers is not the purpose of the local New Testament church, but to turn the blind eye to Christ. So when you got saved, you trusted Christ, and you were moved from a prisoner in the world to his marvelous light. And for the blind eye to be open, what we have to do is do what it says in Romans 10.9. Would you turn there with me, Romans 10.9? Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, what does it say? The Lord Jesus. That word Lord there is such an important word. It says, if you'll confess with your mouth, that word confess means that I agree with God. What am I agreeing with God on? Jesus is Lord. He's the now, the master. Listen to me. That word means that he is the master of my life. He's the master now. <laughs> when I look at this passage and he says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, now watch this, and shalt believe in thine heart. What is it that we have to believe? That God hath raised him from the dead. That's what we believe. So here it is. I agree with God that Jesus is the master of my life and I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And then it says, thou shalt be what? Wow. Think about that for just a moment. It's not harder than that. And people want to use the law to get to heaven. They, they, they want something else in their life to overtake what God has given us so freely. He is the light of the world, amen? And when I look at this, he needs to be Lord of our lives. You say, well, Pastor, he is. Well, I'm sharing with you if he is, then in our hearts as saved people, we will want to fulfill the Great Commission. Now, let me share this with you. The simplicity of the Great Commission is in all that follows. It's in that first word. Do you know what the first word is? Go. 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 Go ye into all the world. Isn't that what it tells us? What is the first thing we have to do? We have to go. We have to go tell other people about Jesus Christ. Jesus is to be the Lord of our life. Every believer should understand this and have the boldness to reach out to those that are blind to the truth. And to be part of opening the blind eyes to that preeminence of Christ, making sure that they understand that He's the head of the body, that He has to have preeminence in all things, it starts by sharing your testimony with them. What's Christ done for you? Are you saved this morning? <laughs> if you are saved, you have a testimony. How did you get saved? Well, we all get saved the same way. Jesus Christ saved. I understand that. But man, the Lord miraculously saved my life. <laughs> Into eternity, from death and hell, from darkness to light, he did that for me. So what is then my role as a Christian? Who can be saved? Well, Nicodemus could get saved. Zacchaeus could get saved, the woman at the well could get saved, the madman of Gadarenus could get saved. And what is our role now? To turn the blind eye to the light.